On October 6, 2021, California legislative leaders, media, and students gathered at CSU Northridge for a ceremonial signing of seven bills concerning education. It's my pleasure and honor to introduce our governor, Governor Gavin Newsom. From behind a podium set up in the college's gym, California Governor Gavin Newsom congratulated legislators and himself on taking action to make higher education more accessible to Californians. Remarkable things are still happening at the local level. They're certainly happening here in Southern California in the state of California. And so we are the antidote to that cynicism and that fear and that anxiety in our politics today. I'm proud of California. I'm proud to be Californian. And I'm proud to be governor of the great state of California, signing these seven critical and important bills. Can I get the legislative leaders up here so we can sign this? And AB we'll 927, on. a bill that opens the door for more bachelor's degrees at California community colleges, uh, was one of those signed into law that day. I don't know which is which, so I'll just sign this. This is the story behind that bill will, and what it up. means for the future of California community colleges. What's the future of a society when that society starts putting more priority to prisons than to the higher education? That document is the epitome of structural racism. It's really important for us to continue to be the equitable sort of Ellis Island of higher ed. My name is Philip Salata. And I'm Jacob McWinney. Welcome to episode one of The Knowledge Industry. We're going to examine the potentially dramatic effect that offering bachelor's degrees at community colleges may have on the geography of higher education in California. We began reporting on this bill while writing for San Diego City College's student news site, City Times. As community college students, we could see just how transformative it could be to bring bachelor's degrees to schools like ours. But if you want to understand why AB 927 was necessary in the first place, you've got to go all the way back to the year 1960. We now have a V in front of John Fitzgerald Kennedy's name. Blast them off from Cape Canaveral, carrying a robot weatherman into orbit. USA boxers won gold medals, the most popular, while cashiers play the fifth. Universities being called upon to educate previously unimagined numbers of students to respond to the expanding claims of national service, to merge its activities with industry as never before. Characteristic of this transformation is the growth of the knowledge industry, which is coming to permeate government and business and to draw into it more and more people raised to higher and higher levels of skill. The production, distribution, and consumption of knowledge is said to account for 29% of gross national product and knowledge production is growing at about twice the rate of the rest of the economy. But the that was a guy named Clark Kerr. He was a professor of economics, the first chancellor of UC Berkeley, and most importantly for our story, he became the president of the entire UC system and oversaw its growth to face the baby boomer boom. He spearheaded the creation of a little thing called the California Master Plan for Higher Education, and for the past 60 years, it's laid the rules for California's systems of higher ed. Constance Carroll, former chancellor of the San Diego Community College District and longtime proponent of bachelor's degrees at community colleges, explained the need for the master plan like this. At the time, the master plan addressed the kind of chaotic nature of California higher education where there were no systems, there was no organized University of California system, there was no organized California State University system, and there was no organized system of uh, 
California community colleges. So the master plan pulled all that uh, together while carving out uh, the specific roles of each entity. That sounds great. Just one thing, what does it mean? Essentially, the California Master Plan outlines which institutions can offer what. Historically, that's meant community colleges have been restricted to offering associate degrees and certifications. As the state's primary research institutes, UCs have been able to offer up to PhDs. And until the early 2000s, CSUs offered bachelor's and master's degrees. But over the years, those borders have changed. For example, CSUs are now able to offer certain PhDs. Here's Constance Carroll again. The first major change in the, the master plan already occurred in uh, 2005 when the CSU system won the ability for the first time in history to offer standalone doctoral programs because there are some fields. The one that was uh, the most prominent was audiology, where a doctorate is now required, not just a master's degree. And the University of California did not offer uh, doctoral degrees in fields like audiology. So the question was, does that mean that no Californian would be able to uh, mm -hmm. go into this field? Uh, and so th th that was the first uh, ch major change in the master plan. So, Philip, what's audiology? Well, it's basically the science of hearing-related disorders. And given the growing population of older adults, the need to make more doctors in this field is pretty obvious. And if the UCs weren't going to take the step to fill that gap, it's only logical that we would open up the opportunity to the CSUs, especially since the qualifications shifted and required more education. We changed the plan to fill the gap. Okay, got it. So what was the next change? Let's turn it over to Chancellor Carroll once more. The second one was in 2014 with the passage of Senate Bill 850, which allowed for the pilot uh, program uh, in uh, for community colleges to offer bachelor's degrees. Wait, give me the lowdown on SB 850. SB 850 was essentially the first step toward bringing bachelor's degrees to community colleges. It was sponsored by former San Diego Community College District Trustee turned former state senator Marty Block. Here's Block speaking about the bill. SB 850 will authorize a select number of community colleges to offer one baccalaureate degree each, community college districts, to offer one baccalaureate degree each in areas of critical workforce demand. This is very much a workforce bill. The courses that will be offered are courses where there are jobs waiting for the graduates to fill them. There are over four million jobs nationally that remain unfilled. Not because we don't have a workforce to meet the demand, but because we don't have the right workforce to meet the demand, the right workforce with the right training. SB 850 follows the lead of more than 20 other states in authorizing community colleges who offer these workforce-related degrees. And community colleges have, have a unique relationship with the workforce. They do much of our continuing our career technical education right now um, what we found is that over the years, over many years, particularly the last several, what used to be two-year workforce degrees now are requiring four years of training. Like everything else in our society, workforce training has become much more um, technologically oriented, much more demanding. As Block said, bachelor's degrees permitted by SB 850 were intended to fill local workforce gaps. So districts were required to present evidence of unmet workforce needs in their proposals. 
they also needed to be built upon existing two-year degrees at those community colleges. Additionally, SB 850 sought to provide access to low-cost degrees and mandated a cost per upper division unit. That amounted to serious savings for students. San Diego Mesa College's Health Information Management degree, established under SB 850, comes out to under $11,000 for all four years, whereas a bachelor's degree at SDSU costs twice as much, and at UCSD costs over five times as much. This allowed the degrees developed by community colleges to continue to appeal to their primary demographic of students, who are generally lower income than those at four-year universities. This helped community colleges to retain their identities as the equitable Ellis Island of higher ed, as Pamela Luster, former president of Mesa College, told us. But despite the lower price tag, those degrees can still result in meaningful wage increases for students who earn them. Students who graduate from Mesa's Health Information Management program, for example, have the potential to make $80,000 as soon as they enter the workforce. And even better, according to Luster, there was a clear demand for well-trained students in the field. Here's Luster speaking about Mesa's Health Information Management program. So we for, oh gosh, you know, several decades have had the two-year Health Information Technology program. Uh, it's a very specific kind of field. You know that medical records are all electronic now. And so over the last several years, the field changed dramatically and employers started coming to us to say, we need health information managers. We need people who can understand the coding that happens, the management skills, the ethics around what one does with that information, and we need leaders. And so there was only one program in the entire state of California in health information management at Loma Linda University and it was $60,000. And so our students were like, well, we're never doing that because we're not going there. We don't have that kind of money. And so the employers started coming to us and saying, isn't there anything that you can do? And so when the baccalaureate movement got cooking along, we were like, okay, yes, now we can. And so Mace actually, we, I think we had three or four programs we considered when the pilot first started in sign language interpreting, uh, radiologic technology, physical therapy, but HIT is the one that made sense because it was, you know, big change in salary. And, and you know how many medical care facilities we have in this region. And our employers were like, yeah, who do we need to call? Who do we need to write? Please get this program underway. And, and so we did. The program's doing very well. The graduates, the, you know, the wage increases we're seeing are the ones we hope to see. Most folks are hired before they even graduate. Um, a lot of the students already work in the hospital, medical, wherever they are, and um, employers are encouraging them, like go to Mesa and get that degree and then, you know, you can move up in the field. The program was so popular, Mesa doubled its enrollment capacity within two years. And in our era of hyper-partisanship, SP850 did something else that, in a way, is even more remarkable. Uh-huh. It garnered the support of both parties. Oh, okay. Okay, that's really something, Jacob. So there were Republicans and Democrats who voted for it? It went further than that, Philip. It passed the California Assembly unanimously. Wait, let me stop you there. Unanimously? You mean no one voted against this bill? That's right. Not a single member of California State Assembly or Senate voted against it. Okay, that does seem, well, remarkable. There are probably a couple of reasons for the bill being so uncontroversial, one of which is due to the fact that many other states have allowed community colleges to do this for years. Another potential reason is because of the unique role of community colleges in their local communities. 
Here's San Diego Community College District Chancellor Carlos Cortez talking about that role. What I think you'll find is uh, there aren't many issues that Republicans and Democrats agree upon. Community colleges are one. And so it's not just this issue. It, it, uh, uh, it supports an expansion of community college programs across the board. And the reason you see that largely, you know, Democrats tend to be supportive of public education generally. And Republicans tend to live in more rural, isolated communities. And oftentimes their elected officials represent districts that have few, if any, public educational institutions in them. When you go to rural communities, you're not seeing the big UCLA's and UC Berkeley's. You know, most of these communities have one or two community colleges. And so those community colleges are very, very important, not only to Democratic constituencies and more progressive, larger urban areas, but in rural communities that tend to be more Republican because they're the only educational opportunities available to that community. And so that's why I think you see, you tend to see um, support from both Republicans and Democrats for the work that community colleges do because they realize that our efforts are bipartisan. Our job is to support students who are interested in transfer, students who are interested in pathways to workforce development, Interesting. Yeah, I agree. And another potential reason for the bipartisanship may come from the strict stipulations it puts on community colleges developing degrees, chief of which was newly created degrees could not duplicate ones already offered by California's public four-year universities. Okay, so, so what does that mean exactly? Are you saying community colleges wouldn't be able to offer things like, I don't know, English or... Accounting degrees because UCs and CSUs already offered them? Precisely. So more broad degrees like graphic design and manufacturing technology, which are both already offered by public four-year colleges in the state, were off the table. But that allowed for the creation of more specific, local workforce-oriented degrees like interaction design or airframe manufacturing technology, which were in fact created by Santa Monica and Antelope Valley Community Colleges respectively via SB 850. From the 15 community colleges given the opportunity to develop bachelor's degrees, there were a wide range of programs selected. Some colleges created the same degrees like respiratory care, dental hygiene, and health information management. But each was pitched as, in some way, speaking to the specific needs of the communities the colleges served. And as a pilot program, SB 850 required a comprehensive analysis of results performed by California's Legislative Analyst's Office. This included completion rates, trends in workforce demands, costs and funding sources, information on job placement and student success. The report ultimately had somewhat mixed results, though it noted that tracking things like workforce placement was a difficult task. Even so, all of this set the stage for AB 927 which expanded and made permanent the SB 850 pilot program. And though local educators and administrators support the changes implemented, there are still significant limitations that may counteract the stated goal of greater equity in education, especially at a time when many of California's four-year universities simply don't have enough seats for students who would like to attend them. Those limitations have frustrated some community college officials, who've argued now may be the time for more significant changes to the way we approach the roles of higher education institutions in the state. They've also shaped the proposals submitted by community colleges during AB 927's first application period. More on that in the next episode 
of the knowledge industry. This podcast was created and written by Philip Salata and me, Jacob McQuinney. Our theme music was written by Jacob McQuinney, and this episode was also produced by Jacob McQuinney. Big thank you to Blue Dot Sessions for the additional music. Stay tuned for future episodes of The Knowledge Industry, available wherever you listen to podcasts.